Welcome to Radio KBPV, Tales of Kootenay Brown Pioneer Village, a podcast about the history of southwestern Alberta, presented by Kootenay Brown Pioneer Village of Pincher Creek, a museum complex that documents the stories of Western Canada's agricultural settlement through the preservation of local buildings and artifacts among a six-acre park. Pincher Creek is a town of 3,700 souls in a vast rural trading area of some 3,000 rural dwellers. A vibrant region of rolling prairie, foothills, the Rocky Mountains, the Pecani First Nation, Waterton Lakes National Park, the Crow's Nest Pass, and the Upper River Watershed of the South Saskatchewan River Basin. Join us in this podcast where we present walking tours of our buildings and hear the stories of the farmers, townsmen, cowboys, mounties, pioneer women, politicians, chroniclers, miners, railroaders, and so many other significant histories of this particular corner of Canada. Well, hello. Welcome back to Radio KBPV. This is Ranger Gord Tolton speaking to you again from Kootenay Brown Pioneer Village. And this is going to be uh, a complete podcast regarding our recent Talking Tombstones tour that we uh, held on Saturday, uh, August 22nd, 2020 uh, in the evening. Uh, started about 7 o'clock and we went to about 10 o'clock or so. Uh, this was the Ghosts of Our Past Full Moon Historical Graveyard Tour. As many of you know, we do one of these every August at a uh, one of the many pioneer cemeteries in the Pincher Creek and area. We have done just pretty much every uh, one of the local area cemeteries up to this point. And we're almost to the point of, of going back and, and starting and starting over again and uh, catching up on a few of the people we missed. Uh, and in fact, we've even branched out a little bit and gone to some other uh, more far-flung communities that do, do have uh, Pincher Creek history, such as uh, Waterton and Fort McLeod. But this year we were back uh, very close to town, about seven miles uh, south of Pincher Creek on Highway 6. And this was the uh, Trinity Lutheran Cemetery in the Crook School District. And you'll hear a lot of Germanic names because this uh, area of uh, between Twin Butte and the uh, and and the, the Trinity Lutheran Cemetery had a lot of uh, German settlement in the 1890s to 1900s. This year, uh, rather than uh, break the uh, readings up like we did last year from the Fort McLeod Cemetery. We're going to do this all in one podcast because everything was fairly continuous as it was a fairly small cemetery and there weren't a lot of breaks um, in between. Um, it was a very, very beautiful uh, night, uh, thankfully, and we've been blessed by a lot of those nights. It's just a gorgeous um, summer to fall evening, not too warm. And in fact, it, uh, it started out warm and even got a little bit chilly by the end. So there wasn't a lot of uh, trouble with bugs. Uh, the one uh, problem, thing that we will uh, does contribute to some problems here on our audio and there was just no way around it. We are right beside uh, highway number six and we were still in full blow of the uh, the, the surprising tourist season and uh, the highway between Pincher Creek and Waterton is still fairly uh, fairly busy at that time of the night so you'll hear 
quite a bit of road noise. And uh, at one point, we even got the noise of a saw from a farm across the highway. I don't, I'm not sure if that picked up yet or not. But the readings were uh, quite well done uh, by our, our, our staff. And uh, it includes selected readings from local pioneers representing uh, the Bovie Lake, Crook, Sear, Fishburn, Marr, Pincher Creek, Robert Kerr, and Twin Butte School Districts. And it is, once again, hosted and uh, the Master of Ceremonies by our own indomitable uh, curator at Kootenay Brown Pioneer Village, Mr. Farley Wuth. So without further ado, we'll just get on with that. So we'd like to welcome everybody. Good evening. We'd like to welcome everybody to our annual Talking Tombstones event. And we've done these events uh, for the last several years now. And I've picked a different uh, cemetery from in town or from out in the rural areas. We've even gone down east to eastern Canada and one in Fort McLeod last year. Way down, Way down east. So we choose a different uh, cemetery every year to, uh, to do our Talking Tombstones uh, events. And this is where we respectfully read about some of the pioneers who have been here from the early days of the community's start and talk about their histories and their contributions to their churches and to the farming and ranching and to the greater Pincher Creek area. And this year we're honored to be at the Trinity Lutheran Cemetery, which has lots of history around here, and we will be doing about 18 uh, readings here from the early part of our history about some of the pioneers. Because of the size of the cemeteries and the number of people that are resting in peace here, we're not able to uh, do readings of everybody, so we've just chosen some of the historical ones there are lots of other historical ones in the, in the cemeteries, so down the road we'll probably be revisiting some of these cemeteries and have some of the other people included as well. So we'd like to thank everybody for coming out and uh, for helping out with our event. The history of the Trinity Lutheran Church in this community dates back to the early 1880s, and that's when some of the early immigrants settled in this area this area is called the Crook School District. It's one of 39 school districts uh, in the Pinch Creek area. And the early settlers uh, came here as early as 1882. And a lot of the settlers who came here were of Lutheran faith and uh, came from Germany originally. So they uh, uh, were German and ancestors. So there's a lot of German people buried here and people of other... Scandinavian um, ancestries as well. Uh, so they came down here. Uh, the church was incorporated in December 1901 when the local congregation adopted a uh, constitution and bylaws. The Gaberts family and the shooting uh, family, uh, several of uh, their um, uh, family members were elected as elders for the uh, church. Uh, church, uh, church services and Sunday schools are in this, uh, were initially held in the Crook School, which is located nearby, and had been started as a school in 1899. In 1903, the faithful group decided to build a church 
on an acre of land donated by uh, Mr. Lachlan Bell, and he had the quarter section in, in this area. The building committee was composed of uh, Louis Gabert, Julius uh, uh, Whitkoff, who was uh, the head carpenter, he was a carpenter by trade, Charles Schooning, Adam Hahn, and Charles Gabert. Pledges of, uh, to the building fund amounted to $317, and that got uh, the building uh, financed. The church was dedicated uh, the following year in 1904, and an acre of land was donated by Charles Gabert, and a forest nature was built in 1905 at the cost of $300. Sunday school teachers were Charles and Louis Gabert, Johanna Schooning, and Ida Stanky. There are a number of uh, uh, pastors that uh, came in here over the years, and they helped keep the, the church going. The lumber was uh, accessed locally for the church, and it was located here near the cemetery. Now, the unfortunate uh, part was that in uh, early July 1949, the church was struck by lightning and sadly burnt down. And then they decided to, uh, that the congregation would have church services in a rented hall in, in Pincher Creek. Property, property was acquired on Poplar Avenue in Pincher Creek, which is down at the west, east of the town, and the parsonage was moved in the town in December 1949. Moving costs were $700. The congregation, being without a place of uh, worship, purchased the old Methodist church building on Main Street for $1,500. And the old Methodist church building was built in 1886 and after extensive renovations uh, uh, was uh, uh, suitable for the church. The Methodist Church building is now the Lion's Den, which is on Main Street, just west of the downtown core. By the late, late 1960s, it seemed imperative that the congregation build a new, larger church. Property was uh, acquired at the corner of East Avenue and Hyde Street uh, to provide for the building an ample parking space. This is uh, up on the South Hill, and it's a cinder block building that the congregation has now and it served as the building ever since. So that's a quick history of the, uh, of the church and so forth. What we're going to do is go, excuse me, is go into our readings now. And so we're going to different parts of the cemetery and uh, 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 reading about the different people, some of the different people here. But there's a bit of a mystery that we've got to have here. And so I'm going to read about the first one, who is Otto Crozing. Now, Otto Crozing was a pioneer in this area, and he is buried here in the cemetery, but we don't know where. And he doesn't have a marker. So I'm saying, with the greatest respect to Otto Crozing, where's Waldo? We don't know where he is. So his full name is Otto Paul Emil Crozing, and he was the eldest son of German uh, immigrants, Johann and Augusta uh, Crozing. He was born in September 1879 and died in 1908 due to tuberculosis. He was only 28 years old at the time. And I'm the only, he was the only one buried uh, here in the, of his family in this cemetery. 
His family had strong European ancestry with both America and Pinter Creek and Crow's Nest connections. Many early ranching families from the Pinter Creek area had coal mining connections through the Crow's Nest Pass, but many of them lived a little bit further west, around Lundbrook and Beaver Mines. We, uh, the Crowsians lived much further east in the, uh, uh, in the uh, Crook District itself. In the uh, spring of 1903, we emigrated to Canada, and uh, Otto's parents and their young family decided to kettle, uh, settle in the Northwest Territories. The family uh, story is that they shipped their cattle fr in from the West, from British Columbia, passing the uh, Crow's Nest Pass settlement of Frank and arriving at Pinter City, as it was called. Pinter City was is now Pinter Station, and that was the closest uh, rail station to this area. And that's where they uh, disembarked the cattle off the train. This was on April 29, 1903, the day that Frank's slide came down, and they arrived at Frank uh, at uh, Turtle Mountain, or at, excuse me, at uh, Pinter Station about nine in the morning. They missed the slide by four hours. And they were quite uh, shocked and perturbed about this. Several, the family folklore indicates that several of the family members wondered why they had come here. Was this place safe to live because of the Frank slide? And at that point, the dust and the smoke was billowing out of, out of the Crow's Nest Pass. The Crowsians first settled uh, southwest of Pincher Creek in an area where the Shell Waterton gas plant is now located. This overlooked uh, what became uh, what was the Pincher Creek and it, uh, what was Butcher Creek, excuse me, as it flowed down from the mountains. The property was rugged and best suited for cattle ranching. And at one point, a short time later, the Crozings uh, moved to the Lachlan Bell place, which is this area here, and uh, uh, farmed here as well. This quarter was better uh, known for its uh, crops because it was closer to the, uh, uh, to the prairies. Now, there was a large family in the uh, area. Otto Cozen, who's buried here, did not have a family of his own, and several of the family actually ended up staying up in the Crow's Nest Pass. That includes uh, William Frederick, John Albert, and the daughters Bertha and Christine Maria and Matilda. There was one son, Ernest, who lived up in the Coleman for many years, but he too had a local uh, a Pinter Creek con connection. His wife was Florence Gladstone, the daughter of George and Marie Gladstone. She was born in 1885 and uh, was very proud of her Métis ancestry. Ernest, her husband worked in the logging industry up in the Crow's Nest Pass. So that's why we're doing Otto Cozen's reading out here because we don't quite know where he is. He's around here someplace. But He's with us still. He's with us still. Okay, so we're off to our next readings is Augustus and Ludwig Carlson. And we're going to start at the west end of the cemetery and move our way. Okay, our next reading is about... Uh, Augusta and Ludwig Carlson, who were Swedish immigrants 
who moved into this area, and they settled in the Robert Kerr district, uh, which is one of the school districts a little bit further south. So the Isabel Charette is going to read about the Carlsons. We are the Carlson family, pioneers of the Twin Butte district, and this is our story. We were closely connected with the Trinity Lutheran Church when the old log structure stood next to this cemetery. I am Ludwig Edward Carlson, who was born in Sweden on December 14, 1876. My wife Augusta was born on June 4, 1881. Both sides of our family settled south of the international boundary at Eureka, Montana in the early 1900s. We were married there in 1908. Less than a decade later, in 1917, we immigrated north into Canada. We settled just north of Twin Butte, where we took up farming. Given our close proximity to the mountains, we were plagued by changeable weather. Late spring and early autumn frosts were common, as were the prevailing westerly winds, which were notorious for damaging crops and buildings. Had it not been for the cattle we raised, we would have had difficulties in making ends meet. Our ranch buildings featured a rustic house. Like other dwellings of the era, it had no running water, but there was a well nearby. A root cellar accessed by a steep wooden ladder is where we stored vegetables harvested from our garden out back. Our barn was of log construction. Many of the early ranches from the Twin Butte district harvested timber from Wood Mountain for their buildings and corrals. Today, this wedge-shaped peak just west of the Pincher Creek watershed is known to the community as Corner Mountain. I passed away on August 8, 1922, and our son Carl, just recently married to Hilga Anderson, died on February 11, 1941. Augusta remained on the ranch till the following year, 1942, when she sold the property and moved into Pincher Creek. She passed away in town on September 15, 1963. Today, family descendants continue to ranch in this picturesque corner of the Canadian prairies. Swedish was the language spoken at home in our early days living here. I know everybody's from the community and all that, but there's Corner Mountain off in the distance there. That's the Wood Mountain, which was the place where timber was harvested for many of the early buildings in this area. And it was known as Wood Mountain. That was a historical name, but now it's known as, as Corner Mountain. So it provided access for the timber for many of the houses and all that in, in this area. Our next uh, presentation is about Brad Keith. So the next one, and then Stan Crawford that's off the read. I am William Ernst Bradke. I was born in Germany in 1840 and married my wife, Wilhelmine, in Berlin in 1869. I came to Canada in 1883 and filed on a homestead about five miles southeast of Pincher Creek, Northwest Territories. I was one of the very first settlers here. I worked for $10 a month so I could save up enough money for my family's passage across the Atlantic. In 1884, I sent to Berlin for my wife, Willemine, and our daughter, Bertha. 
Bertha was only eight years old when we ventured onto the Canadian frontier. Their three-week crossing of the Atlantic via sailboat was as time-consuming as in the words of Bertha's son, Bill Crook, when the wind was in the wrong direction, they'd have to anchor and wait until it blew the right direction. I met my family in Winnipeg, where we, we remained for a year before I brought them to our new home. The trio disembarked from the CPR line at Medicine Hat and traveled laboriously overland with horse-powered wagon the many miles to their new farm. Fellow pioneer Gus Newman assisted the Bradkeys with the trip west from the Hat, but on the way there he was thrown in jail for two days in Lethbridge because the Northwest Mound Police thought that he'd stolen his own horses. We Bradkeys brought with us a cow and a flock of chickens which we kept in a chicken coop during the night. They were free to fly during the day and faithfully returned to the coop at dusk. Buffalo chips were burned as firewood and slew water had to be boiled before it could be drunk. I built my family a log house on the homestead. There we raised a herd of cattle which we purchased from neighboring ranches. Bertha helped with looking after the herd, riding side saddle for long days out on the open prairie. Family folklore recalled that there was no fences, just open range, and you could ride for miles. During these homestead days, my wife Wilhelmine and daughter Bertha cooked for a crew of men at the Mountain Mill Lumber Camp west of Pincher Creek. It was here that Bertha met her future husband, Frank Crook. We farmed south of Pincher Creek until 1909 when we sold out to Dick Shooning and retired to a newly built house beside their daughter's home. The Crook School District was named in honor of some of my descendants. I passed away on my, at my 78, 77th birthday in April 1917. Wilhelmine died Saturday, August 3rd, 1929, just a few weeks after she'd celebrated her 86th birthday. The Bradkeys were connected with the Lutheran Church. The E. Soren and Karen Larson family. And this is from material from uh, Johanna Larson Schoening. This is the story of Danish immigrants to and settlers on the Prairie Canadian frontier. My name is Soren Peter Larson, and I was born in Denmark in 1863. My wife, Karen Marie Pavelson, I hope I get that pronunciation right, was born in Jutland, which was the Danish mainland. Her birth dates to 1867. We came to the United States as young adults in 1896. This was the days of wind sailing vessels, which took four to five weeks to cross the Atlantic. We had a lot of bad weather, and the crossing was quite an experience. Family stories were told later that we ran out of fresh drinking water, making it necessary to boil ocean water to remove the salt. There were four brothers and three sisters in my family, one brother and three sisters in Karen's family. I went on to Laramie, Wyoming to take up a homestead while Karen stayed in Northfield, Minnesota with her brother Rasmus and his wife Anna. She worked for a while at St. Olaf College. In 1888, she went to Wyoming and met up with me, and we were married in 1888, the same year, and made our home in Laramie. There, our daughter Johanna was born in 1890. Safra was also born in Laramie in 1889, 
but passed away in 1892. Our son Sophus Rasmus was born uh, in 1893. In the spring of 1896, I decided we should move to Canada. We obtained two covered wagons, wagons, also known as prairie schooners, and got them ready. Our belongings were all stored in these. In the back of one of the wagons, a cupboard was set with doors opening to the back, making food and other things more easily accessible. That cupboard remains in family hands today. We had tents, a whole capping outfit, and a camp stove, as Karen had to bake bread for us in all stops along the way. The trip was hard for Karen as she had two young children, ages five and three. Are we there yet? She also drove a wagon. Along the back of the seat, on top of the boxes, she spread out blankets so we could sleep. Bill Hexion and his two sons were in the party. I don't think I'm pronouncing that correctly, but oh well. Bill drove one wagon while I and Bill's two sons, Fred and Frank, rode horseback and herded the extra horses. Uh, their trip took all summer. When, when, when we reached Calgary, we rented a house where spent, and spent the winter there. And we started south in the spring once more. We passed through Pincher Creek and only a, then only a few scattered houses and then went on to the Charles Shoning Place, five miles south of town. Around about here, I guess. When I left Calgary, I thought they would go back to Minnesota where Karen's folks were. But after talking to Charles Shoning, I decided to stay in Pincher Creek and take up a homestead. The first house I built was of logs consisting of a pantry and two rooms. We lived there for a few years until I got logs and built a two-story house which is still on the homestead. At first, our only close neighbors were Mr. and Mrs. Felix, Thibault, Mabel, and Willie. Our Larson children went to the Crook School for all of our education. The children walked two miles across the fields. Uphill. Later, they got a buckskin pony, which they rode, and then another buckskin pony that was wild and bucked us off once in a while. It was very cold, as they did not have warm overshoes or pants at first. The children had a lot of fun sleigh riding on the coulee, often coming home with ears white from frostbite. As time went on, they got skates and more neighbors' children to play with. In the summer of 1913, my wife Karen took sick and had an operation for goiter, passing away in, on November 22nd at 46. This was an awful blow. In the following spring, June 3rd, 1914, our daughter Johanna married Fred Schoening. They, sent out, they went out to the West Coast on their honeymoon, their first ride ever on a train. Seeing all the lovely roses was quite the treat for Johanna. Fred's father built us a house on his land which bordered my father's land. The house is still there with our son Gordon living it, in, as of the 1990s. <coughs> Pardon me. The next year, Safas joined the Army with a 13th Canadian Mounted Rifles and went overseas. And he was wounded in France, sent to hospital in England where he met Mary Heads, a nurse. A romance sprung up and they were married on September 24, 1917 in High Shield, England. <coughs> Pardon me. He returned to France and was killed in action on, in August 1918. Peace, of course, was declared on November 11th, so Safis was in one of the battles. Mary came over to see us a year or two later and subsequently made her home in Canada and the United States, except for a trip to England to visit Safis's grave. I had a heart attack in November of 1918 and was hospitalized in Pincher.
My doctor suggested we take him to... My doctor suggested we go to the coast for a better climate, but I passed away on December 26th of the same year, shortly after moving. I was returned to Pincher Creek and buried beside Karen, right here in the Lutheran Cemetery. So hello, we are the family of Charles and Charlotte Newman, who grew up in Poplar Point, Manitoba. This was a small town about 50 miles west of Winnipeg. Our family was of German ancestry and well connected with the Lutheran Church. Charles Newman lived from 1828 to 1921. Living in the 190s during the 1920s was considered quite a feat and an accomplishment. Uh, his wife Charlotte was born in 1834 and died in 1911. The family included Gus Newman, who was born in July 1861. In uh, 1882, uh, he and Charles Shuney decided to go further west. They went by train to Brandon, Manitoba, and then by stagecoach into the United States, coming as far west as uh, Montana, where they uh, spent the winter. In the spring of 1883, they came by horseback back into Canada through the South Kootenai Pass, which uh, crossed the mountains high above uh, Wharton Lakes. For those of you who know, know the geography around here, the South Kootenai Pass was one of the three passes over the Continental Divide that were used by the Kootenai First Nations prior to contact. They used this to uh, collect the buffalo on the prairies, but they lived in the flathead. In 1865, our own John George Kootenay Brown was one of the first explorers to cross this pass, and so we knew it would be a good route for our venture in 1883. The South Kootenay Pass is above Pass Creek, or above Red Rock Canyon. We ran out of food on our trip through what became Waterton, and for several days lived on wild berries. Before they came upon Kootenay Brown's cabin, Isabel Brown, Kootenay Brown's wife, was home, but was unable to understand that we were uh, very hungry. We remembered that the berries were not too filling or plentiful at that time of the year. Finally, a Northwest Mounted Police uh, officer came along and was able to explain to Mrs. Brown what was going on. She gave us flour and bear meat, and we survived. The country south of Fincher Creek looked good uh, for us, so we set up a homestead about five miles south of, here, uh, of uh, town in the Crook District and proceeded to build log cabins and start a new life. Gus Newman went back to, uh, to Poplar Point a couple of years later and he told what a, a wonderful country it was. And, and then in 1888, Theodore Newman, one of my other uh, brothers, uh, one of uh, his brothers, uh, arrived with a team of oxen and other settlers' effects uh, to uh, take on the homestead. And this is adjoining his brothers on the uh, east. Several other uh, family members settled in this area, including the Robert Kerr district a few miles to the south. The social life uh, in the Crook district was uh, quite active as more pioneer families were arriving on a yearly basis. There were dances, uh, in the school and at homes, house parties, hunting in the winter, and picnics and uh, fishing in the summer. They also had a, a, a football team that was active here 
during the uh, 19, early 1900s. And they also put, used to put on plays at the Crook dis, uh, School District. The Crook uh, School was started in 1899 and was one of the first schools to be started out, country schools to be started out here in the Pincher Creek area. So that's the history of Charlotte and uh, Charles Newman. My name is Herman Bratz, and this is my wife, Johanna. We originally came from Germany and settled in Nebraska, USA. We farmed there for a few years, but finding it hard to make a living off the land, we decided to join the August Sorgis and Frederick Sorgis families and try their luck in Canada. We traveled by covered wagons. These were sturdy rigs designed to withstand the rigors of overland travel. They were used by the immigrants and homesteaders crossing the Canadian and American prairies. Containing the settlers' effects and sleeping quarters, they were topped with stretched canvas to provide temporary shelter. Most often, teams of oxen were the beasts of burden, but mules or horses are also used. After a long and arduous journey, we stopped and stayed in Fort McLeod for two years before taking up a homestead three miles south of Pincher Creek. During our stay in Fort McLeod, we hauled logs to build the home and buildings for the homestead. When we first arrived in Pincher Creek, we lived with the Julius Whitcoff family until we were able to live on the homestead. My wife, Johanna, and Mrs. F. Sorge were twin sisters and so wished to live close to each other. As there was no water on the land next to the Sorge homestead, Fred Sorge gave me a corner of the Sorge land where there was water, so I took up that quarter as a homestead. When our family left Nebraska, we had three boys and two girls, Emil, Irene, Alma, Henry, and Albert. Two more boys were born in Pincher Creek, Bill and Otto. I was a founding member of the Crook School District, number 520, established in 1899. Son Otto was also active in the community, being a member of the Snow Valley Snowplow Co-op, which during the 1960s and early 70s kept the winter roads clear in the Crook District. Our children all took their schooling in the Crook School, located south of Pincher Creek, except for Emil and Irene. I passed away when I was 62 years old, and my wife, Johanna, died in 1927. She was born in 1863 and was 64 years of age when she passed away. Farming on the homestead was carried on by the boys and expanded to include an extra quarter section. It was sold to Maurice Lynch in 1973, and a decade later, it was owned by J. Lovekey. As of the early 1970s, Bill was the only surviving member of the original family. He lived in town. This family was associated with the Trinity Lutheran Church. So Isabel is going to do the reading for this one. Please allow us to introduce ourselves. We are Anthony and Catherine G Gabert. We were ranchers in the Beauvais Lake District, nestled in the foothills of, to the west. I, Anthony Gabert, was born on December 5, 1857, in Normandy, Ontario. 
this pre-Confederation settlement was very quiet by today's standards. My education was in a one-room country school. My wife was the former Catherine Goodkey of Huron County, Ontario. She was six years younger than I, with her birth dating to November 15, 1863. Catherine and I were married on April 5, 1881. We had four daughters, but one passed away in 1908 at the age of 16. By the turn of the century, the countryside in Ontario was filling up quickly and getting very busy. We had distant relatives on my side of the family in the Pincher Creek area and heard favorable reports about its rolling countryside. In 1900, we ventured west with, the three, of, with three of our daughters, Monica, Louise, and Elsie. We established a homestead in the Beauvais Lake District. Our quarter was one mile southeast of the lake itself and some 11 miles from town. Distances were great in those pioneer days and travel usually on horseback. We came into Pincher Creek only a couple of times a year. Improvements had to be made to, on our homestead. Because of its rugged terrain, our land was best suited for ranching cattle. Only a small quantity of crops was planted, but we grew a large vegetable garden near the house. A cellar under our dwelling allowed us to store our harvested legumes over the winter. With the help of several neighbors, I built a sturdy log house using timbers from the nearby forests. A barn, a couple of sheds, and a set of corrals completed the array of outbuildings. Within five years, the quarter was deeded to us. We heated our house with coal mined and purchased at the nearby Christie Coal Mine. Its close proximity to our homestead ensured a steady supply of this high-grade fuel. The original St. Agnes School, one of 39 local country schools, was a mile to the southwest, or to the northwest, sorry. It overlooked the Pincher Creek. Many a community event was hosted there. Dances and Christmas programs were some of the most memorable. We enjoyed our homestead immensely, and the venture prospered. After more than a quarter of a century there, we decided to retire in 1927 and move into town. I passed away on November 17, 1939, and was followed by my beloved widow Catherine nearly five years later. We were both active in the Trinity Lutheran Church. Our next reading is about Henry Bastian. So I'm glad Henry and Margarita Bastian can finally be here. Uh, this is a history that was uh, given by Carl Bastian, the youngest son of the Bastian family. Am I pronouncing that correctly? Yes. Okay. My name is Henry Bastian, and I am one of the early pioneers that lived in the Crook School District, southeast of Pincher Creek. I was born in Bischofen, Germany, in 1861. My wife was Anna Marantha Wagner. She usually went by her middle name. We were wed in 1884. Anna was born in Seelbach, Germany, in 1863. After three years of marriage, we immigrated to the U.S., settling in Elgin, Illinois, located near Fort Wayne, Indiana. Elgin is a city famous for its watches. We had two sons, August and Carl and a daughter, Caroline. Two other children died as infants. 
One evening, March 1907, I read an advertisement in the paper about land and farming opportunities around Pincher Creek, Alberta, Canada. Where is that? I was working in an iron foundry, grinding casings, which was quite detrimental to my health. It did not take us long to decide to immigrate to Canada. I left a short time later for Pincher Creek, which was a very small village. When I arrived, I went south of town to Dutch Flats, where many of the German and Scandinavian pioneers had settled. I made contact with the Hammer family. At this time, there were no more homesteads available in the area, so I bought, bought a half-section of land from W. Miles Hardy, this being southeast quarter, section 18, township 5, range 29, west of the 4th, and another quarter beside it. Uh, on May 10th, I loaded up the entire household effects, plus some pieces of second-hand machinery, and a milk cow into a rail car for shipment to Canada. I had to travel in the car to care for the cow. I'll bet that was a pleasant trip. (laughs) All went well till we arrived at Dunmore Junction. I'm surprised they got that far. uh, Near Medicine Hat, where the car was rammed into a railway siding. That'll happen there, breaking out the side. A delay of one day was made while the car was repaired to roll again. My wife and three small children traveled by train in the tourist car and arrived at Pincher Station in 1907. I arrived one day later with the household effects. Fred Robbins brought us to Pincher Creek by team and Democrat. The mud was axle deep as there were no gravel roads at the time. The people from around this area of Pincher Creek were very helpful to to us in getting around and settled. They were the Hammers, the Hans, Ernest and Otto Newman, Anthony Gabert, Schultzes, Stankies, Sorgies, Bratzes, Crooks, Bratkies, Shawnings, Larsons, and Gustav and Theodore Newman. Most of the people were affiliated with the Lutheran Church, which was built in their midst in 1904. Our first living quarters was a small three-room log cabin badly infested with bed bugs. It was almost a daily routine to dismantle and take the beds outside in the morning to douse them with a good disinfectant. Log buildings don't adapt well to fumigation. I started building a new frame house with rough lumber hauled from Gibson's Mill at the foot of Corner Mountain. By the fall, the house was nearly completed and we moved in. Living conditions were much more tolerable. Our first fear of farming in Canada, however, was almost a disaster. An early snowstorm on the 10th of September, just remember that, we're complaining how hot it is, (laughs) flattened and badly froze 100 acres of beautiful grain. With some favorable weather later in the fall, the crops were cut with a six-foot binder one way. There was a heavy loss of uh, grade and bushels, not to mention the time consumed. There was no such thing as government assistance for the crop failure. These same conditions were to repeat themselves numerous times over the years. Coal was the fuel often burned on the farm, hauled from the Christie Mine south of Bovey Lake as early as 1907. A sleigh pulled by a team of horses hauled in the freight during the winter months. As there was not enough work on our farm for our three children, our daughter Caroline took a job as a waitress in the good old King Edward Hotel in Pincher Creek. The job did not pay good wages, but it was offset by tips from the remittance men who would stay in the hotel for days. And this brings us to one of my favorite characters, the colorful Lionel Brook, who used to wear a monocle. He too ranched in the Bovey Lake District. In the fall of 1909, Caroline married William Sawyer. They made their home in Springston, Idaho, and later in Yakima and Everett, Washington. They had six children. 
Caroline passed away in Everett in 1962 at the age of 78. In 1910, our son August returned to the United States to do carpenter work and later structural steel work. He remained in the U.S. until 1921 when I bought the John Hammer Farm, a half section adjoining our farm. August then returned to Alberta, bringing his wife Maud Ethel Herzog and daughter Eleanor. While here, uh, while here, August was a subscriber with the Robert Kerr Mutual Telephone Company. He, re- he remained here until 1940 when he rented the farm to Stanley Finder, Finders and returned to Texas and New Mexico to take up structural steel work. Part of that included a U.S. defense contract during the war. Mm. He passed away in Texas at the age of 68. In 1917, our youngest son, Carl Bastian, married our neighbor's youngest daughter, Margaret Hahn. Four children, uh, Beatrice, Bertram, Bernice, and Bernard. There were some bees in there. Mm -hmm. Carl was an original shareholder in the Excelsior Mutual Telephone Company, established in 1934 to provide service to the district. (coughs) Always interested in the old days, Carl was the family historian. I, Henry Bastian died at home on Thursday to September 8, 1932, at the age of 71. My wife, Anna, lived another dozen years, passing away at 81 years of age on August 24, 1944. We are both buried here in the Trinity Lutheran Cemetery, right here. And our next reading is Marie and Fred Sorge. And we are buried right here. Um, my name is Frederick William Sorge, and I came from, uh, from uh, Germany. I am Marie Ranke Sorge, and I was born in Hamburg, Germany, August 11, 1862. Uh, you know, and I was born on uh, May the 23rd in 1854. Two of our sons were born in Germany before we immigrated to the American state of Nebraska. This was in 1883 when we took up farming near the settlement of Lawn. There was one daughter and four sons that we had while we were there. Um, uh, We we decided to move to Canada and uh, there were three families, the Fred Sorge, the Bratzes and August Sorge's. And uh, we left Lawn uh, in in 1896. Uh, the trekking, uh, 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 the trek taking three months, uh, and we arrived on the Willow Creek north of McLeod in September of that year. Uh, there were no fences and no roads, uh, and, you know, so we just headed north as you know, you know as best we could. Uh, we, have, we, we had to cross the Missouri River. Uh, the two of the older boys crossed over on the ferry with, uh, with the machinery and their belongings, and, and the women and children walked across the railway bridge. In Montana, one of their horses uh, developed a limp, so, th- uh, so they traded it off to one of the First Nations for a horse, horse that turned out to be an outlaw. And it was a it was a standing joke in that case that uh, you know, that uh, you know, that neither party won. 
uh, uh, we would stop, uh, you know, at some river to do uh, do a family wash, and uh, and to bake the bread for for a whole day because the Bratzes had a had had a stove on the back of one of their wagons. We arrived at the St. Mary's River, which I attempted to cross, and I had some machinery on the back of the wagon, and as the water was deep, uh, uh, the horses began to swim, but the wagon, uh, the wagon was, uh, was loaded, and so it kind of turned the horses around, and the horses, uh, uh, horses were, able to, uh, they were able to swim back to shore. Uh, I thought myself very lucky to get out of that ordeal alive with the wagon and the load. Uh, after that, we look for another crossing. <laughs> we came to McLeod, the Sorgies and the Bratzes, settling on Willow Creek. August Sorgie went to take up a homestead in the Porcupine Hills to the west. The land there proved too unproductive. After two years, they decided to come to Pincher Creek as there were openings for homesteads with lovely long grass. There were also a number of German-speaking settlers. They made them feel more at home as it was the only language that they knew. Uh, I took up a homestead uh, that, that was formerly uh, taken up by Mr. Gilmore. Uh, and Bratz uh, took up... Uh, an adjoining homestead, uh, because my my wife and Mrs. Bratz were twin sisters, uh, and they were eager to settle uh, near one another. And, you know, I built a temporary sod house, house in which we lived for three years until we got around to building a log house. After covering it with siding, and uh, we we had, we had two more daughters uh, after that. In 1908, we Sorgies lost our big barn to a fire. Burned were 11 horses, some chickens, a loft full of hay, about a thousand bushels of oats, and a quantity of harness and machinery. Uh, the following year, uh, you know, in 1909, I built a new barn. Uh, and the carpenters were Lacey and August uh, Bastion. Uh, this new barn was uh, was uh, uh, you know in this in this in this new barn was initiated a big barn dance and a large crowd from town and the neighborhood uh, turned up and Mr. Mr. Sick from uh, you know, from Six Brewery in Lesbridge uh, and supplied the refreshments. <laughs> In 1910, we purchased a big Case 25 steam engine. The crew, mainly our sons, as was expected, went plowing. We plowed for customers as well as at home and were busy all summer and fall for several years. Later, we turned to threshing as well as plowing, doing custom work from Spring Ridge to Cowley until about 1921. It was claimed that we were the second threshing outfit in this area. The old steam engine was finally sold for junk, and from then on, gasoline engines took over. Some different kinds of pioneer conveniences that we had were a large wood coffee grinder, a food chopper patented by the NRS and Company of Massachusetts, and a winter-class washboard and a copper boiler with a lid. 
that could be put on top of the stove and used for laundry and for bathing. We enlarged our land holdings until we owned a section and a half. And as each of our boys married, we gave them a quarter section of land and, and built a house on it. Our threshing crew, which was our family, consisted of the oldest son's name was William, known to everyone as Bill, and he was born in 1882. Married and lived in Pincher Creek on the Free Baron Place, just east of town for a while, and he had two daughters while he was there. Uh, I mean, Frank, born in March uh, the 31st, 1886, uh, took to growing uh, fruit, uh, fruit, in, uh, fruit in Caramos, uh, B.C. He owned uh, quite a large orchard there, and, uh, and he held offices in the packing plant. And, you know, he married Annie Petey. Ida, the oldest daughter, with her birth dating in, 19, in 1888, married Jack Norton and had a family of two boys and two girls. Uh, Otto, Otto was born on September 16, 1889, and he married Leela Dempster in 1919 and farmed about, farmed about five miles from town until he married, uh, you know, you know, until he retired in 1965, buying a house on Adelaide Street in Pincher Creek. As a young man, he got his papers to run the steam engine for his father. He was mechanically inclined, and, and he had quite a workshop on his farm doing, doing lathe work. Otto and Leela had a family of two boys and two girls. Alex worked with the Pincher Creek Co-op Lumberyard. We all know that and how big that's been. Irvin married Lois Top and lived on the top place east of town. He was the Esso Bulk dealer for the district. Richard R., best known as Dick, was born on March the 13th, 1891. He received his education in the Crook School and married Lizzie Klausinowski. Uh, they farmed in the Crook District for many years. For a decade, he helped operate his, far, his, his, his father's steam threshing outfit. Uh, Dick sold his own place in uh, 1918 and worked as a steam engineer in the Turner Valley oil fields. Re returning to Pincher Creek, uh, he became a plumber with... Uh, with Stanley Pearson, he also worked as the boiler man for the Prince of Wales Hotel. Theodore was born in 1894 and married Rosa Bosch in 1917, also farmed in the Crook District until they sold out in 1858. He moved to town and established the Sorgi Trailer Court on the north side of the creek, on the corner of Fredericks and James. The property is now part of the famous Kootenay Brown Pioneer Village. Dun, dun, dun. <laughs> Louis, born in 1895, married Alyssa Garno in 1919. They took over the old homestead and the old folks moved to town. They farmed there for 32 more years and then sold out, having bought the Ford garage on the corner of Main Street and Police Avenue, formerly owned by Montgomery and Hart, and later by Fred Fry. Uh, Esther Sorge, born February 17th uh, to 1900 in the Northwest Terries, was married in Oregon. 
And Lena Sorge who was born born in May 1904, also in the Northwest Terries, and married Mark uh, Sullivan. After farming in uh, farming in the Chipman district east of Pincher Creek for some years, they went to live in Coleman. And I, I, uh, Fred Sorge, uh, died at my residence in Pincher Creek early in the morning of Friday, April 8th, uh, 1932, and I was buried in the Lutheran Cemetery right here. And I passed away in 1947 and was buried beside my beloved husband. And now I would like to uh, say something positive after our two deaths just now. Jackie Weens is here tonight and put fresh flowers on her husband Kenny's grave as today would have been their 50th wedding anniversary. And I asked her if it was okay to tell everybody. Jackie's just over there in the sunshine. And she said it was okay to tell everybody. So, <laughs> And I thought maybe now would be a good time to break for hot chocolate and cookies. Yes, let's have a, a little hot chocolate and cookie break and all that. Pickups in the parking lot, the full moon is bright. There's a dance at the Range Road Hall tonight. The band's tuning up and they're stalking the bar. Ranchers are coming from near and far. If you fall in love here, that's nobody's fault. Won't you dance with me to a bucking horse walk? Star cries and a fiddle replies. The Rockies are always there on our left side. Everyone's doing all right. On a wild rose Saturday night. Next reading after our uh, break here is uh, about Emily Whitkoff, who was an early pioneer from uh, this area and had family in several rural, of the rural districts around Pincher Creek. And Isabel Charette's going to be reading about Mrs. Whitkoff. Good evening. My name is Emily Whitkoff, and my maiden name was Doms. I was born in Germany in 1839 and I passed away in 1923 in the Pincher Creek area. My husband was August Whitcoff. Four of our children came to the southwest corner of the Canadian prairies. Our eldest son, Richard August Herman Whitcoff, was born in Germany back in 1864. The family immigrated to the New World when Richard, also known as Dick, was 15 years of age. 
We sailed across the North Atlantic by boat. The voyage took eight weeks, and we landed in New York, where we Whitcoffs were told of new lands opening up in Canada. We settled in Aldfield Township near Ladysmith, Quebec, in 1879, where we took up farming. Richard came out west to Fort McLeod some seven years later, when, where he was informed of a settlement somewhere out west. You can imagine being told that somewhere up west you would find people, but he was undaunted, as most early pioneers were. As there were no roads, Richard walked across the prairies to finally arrive at Pincher Creek. When he first arrived there, he found work driving an oxen team, hauling logs for a local lumber company. Here, in this growing prairie settlement, he established a blacksmith shop in partnership with William Foote and an African-Canadian, Charlie Dyson. The original shop was the site now occupied by the Pincher Creek Credit Union and the family dwelling, a small cabin, was nearby, close to the creek. Richard Whitcoff married Jessie Hofton, who hailed from England. They were wed in 1893 by the Reverend Havelock Smith of Pincher Creek's Anglican Church. The Whitcoffs moved to the Fishburn District in 1910. There, they took up farming, and Richard continued with his blacksmithing. This was an essential trade during the pioneer era, and Richard was very adept with it. The Whitcoffs operated a general store at Fishburn for six years after its 1911 establishment. The post office there continued until 1942. Emile Daniel William Whitcoff, also known as Billy, was our fourth child. He was born in Germany on February 28, 1870, and was nine years old when our family immigrated to Canada in search of new opportunities. He worked with his family on the farm in Ladysmith, Quebec, until he was 18 years old, at which time he yearned for pioneer opportunities out west. Billy first worked with his brother Richard's blacksmith shop in Pincher Creek. Billy then moved to the Crowsness Pass coal mining settlement of Blairmore, where he set up his own blacksmith shop. There he met and in 1896 married Minetta Berthman, who hailed from the county of Perth, Ontario. They had six children. They remained in the past for over a decade and witnessed the disaster of the April 1903 Frank Slide. In 1907, they moved to Edom, Saskatchewan, but returned often to, to Pincher Creek to visit family. On one return visit, Son Harvey came with his parents and remained permanently, driving for Kelly's transport and working for the rural municipality. He married Ida Bruns in 1930, and they had four children. Another was Julius Carl Christian Whitcoff, our fifth surviving child who settled in the Crook District. He was born in Germany on September 23, 1873, and at the age of six years, made the journey with our family to Canada. He was always very talented with his hands, and like his brother Richard, did great work with wood or steel. At the age of 15, he joined his sister Ida and brother Billy and headed west. Like his other siblings, 
He liked this part of the country so well that he set up his homestead on the Fred Sorge land three miles south of Pincher Creek and settled in. Emma Katarina Hammer was born on January 7, 1881. Julius and Emma were married on May 22, 1903, and built a log house about a mile further south of the original homestead, putting up a few badly needed buildings. The old log house that Julius built is still standing on the George Fitzpatrick farm four miles south of Pincher Creek, and the cow barn, root cellar, and ice house are still there also. Julius was a farmer by trade and a great builder. He was the head carpenter when the first Lutheran church in this district was built in January 1903. A log structure, it was situated across the road from the present Lutheran Cemetery. Julius donated two acres of land for the Crook School in 1900. And before the school was built, classes were held in a building on his farm. The school was opened in the fall of 1900, and the building sat there until it was moved to town in 1946. It was used as a medical clinic for many years a dentist office, an exercise gym, tea room, and more. Julius and Emma had seven children. The first three boys, Arnold Johannes, 1904 to 1963, Hermann Heinrich, also called John, 1906 to 1985, and Wilhelm Adam, William, 1908 to 1969, were born in Pincher Creek. In 1910, the family moved to Helena, Montana, and the farm was sold to John Bruns, the grandfather of Harvey Whitcoff's children, Hilda Elizabeth, 1911 to 1989, and Beatrice Ann, 1913 to 1962, were born in Helena, and Harold Lyle, 1917 to 1988, and Lawrence Harvey, 1921 to 1979, were born in Evan, Montana. Later, Julius and Emma moved the family to Spokane, Washington, and many of their family are still in that area. Julius passed away in 1936 at the age of 63, and Emma died in 1969. They are both buried in Spokane, Washington. This history of the Whitcoff family was researched and compiled by Myrna Hochstein. So good evening. My name is William uh, Miles Hardy, also known as Meals. Meals was my nickname. Um, uh, members of the William and Christina Hardy family were longtime uh, residents and pioneers of the Crook School District. Uh, we arrived here back in the early days. I was born in Germany in June 1870. As an adult, I was uh, uh, already out of school and working hard. We emigrated to Canada in the 1880s and first settled in Ontario. And in uh, 1907, I was united and married with my wife, Christina, who hailed from Clifford, Ontario. Her ancestor uh, was, junior, uh, was German as well. Several uh, years later, we uh, started a young family in the Crooks School District and I arrived here by 1903. I filed on a homestead and purchased additional property uh, over the years. It was a very successful farming operation. The topography here and the weather uh, of the Crook District 
were very ideal for crop raising, and cattle supplemented our agricultural interests. We built a house and then uh, uh, established permanent residency here as required by the homesteading. A large barn was uh, built of logs out back, and there's a series of outbuildings and corrals. Within five years, the homestead became our property. We remained here uh, throughout the early 1940s. We had a large family of 10 children, four sons and six daughters. Several of the sons ended up wor uh, working in uh, coal mine, and our son Carl was killed in a coal mining accident in, in the 1930s. Uh, one of our daughters, uh, Mabel, became Mick, uh, Mrs. Michael Days, and they relate, uh, resided in the Chipman Creek District, just east of Pincher Creek. Our uh, Hardy family was very active in the Lutheran Church. I passed away in August 1941 at St. Vincent's Hospital. My widow, Christina, moved up to the Crow's Nest Pass, and she lived another 12 years until passing in the, away in the old Crow's Nest Pass Municipal Hospital. And this was the uh, brick structure down at the west end of Blairmore. So that's the history of the Hardy family. Okay, we're going to talk about Henry and Natalie Gates, and there's a nice surprise at the end of this. Uh, we are Henry and Natalie Gates, who are connected with the farming and ranching industry on Pincher Creek. Uh, I, Henry Gates was born in Osip, Poland. I know I didn't get that right. In 1893, I married the former Natalie Pankratz, in 1920, and she was born in 1895. Times were tough in Europe following the First World War and jobs hard to find. We decided to strike out for Canada, hoping for better life and a land of opportunity. I arrived first in 1928. My family consisted of my wife, two daughters, and a son came a decade later in June of 1938. By then I had etched out a living on a ranch west of Pincher Creek. Given the rugged foothills, terrain cattle flourished best here. In 1949, I purchased a farm not too far from Cowley, where we had better luck. For me, retirement into Pincher Creek came over a decade and a half later in 1965. Ranch and farm work in the 1950s um, was demanding. Mechanization, and particularly tractors, was just beginning for many working the land around Pincher Creek. Traditional use of horses was commonplace. Cattle were fattened up and herded to market, often in the autumn, and sold at auction at Twin Butte and Pincher Station. The routine of daily chores kept us close to home. Winter of 1941-42 was cold, lots of snow. The sought-after schnooks did not blow in that year. Cattle perished in winter storms, their carcasses surfacing the following spring which was reminiscent of the uh, earlier bad winters, 1886-87 and 1906-07. Some of my extended family also ventured into the sawmill industry, located up on Pincher Creek and into the Gladstone Valley. The Canadian immigrant experience has had a success. One of our nieces attended Matthew Halton High School here in Pincher Creek. You know her better as Beverly McLaughlin, the recently retired Chief Justice of the Supreme Court of Canada. And up until 19, or 2017, it was her job to throw out laws as fast as Harper or Trudeau could write them. Women back then had a lot of facial hair, so... Yeah. No? <laughs> no comment. <laughs>
My name is Henriette Zanyu, and I represent some of the more recent immigrants who came to Canada from Germany. I was born in Kirschen, Germany, April 29, 1882, where I was raised and spent much of my early adult life. I immigrated to Canada with my husband Robert in 1930, representing a second wave of European immigrants unhappy with conditions back in the old country. We established a farm four miles south of Pincher Creek. It was a success in spite of dry conditions of the 1930s. We found our Canadian neighbours, particularly the, the Schoonings and Bratz families, to be especially kind and helpful with our new farming experiences on the prairies. German was our native language and it was spoken extensively at home. However, Robert and I acquired a good command of English and this was the language that we used out in the community. I was active in the Trinity Lutheran Church, which was located next to the cemetery at that time. I attended the Sunday services whenever local weather and road conditions permitted. Even during the 30s and 40s, transportation was an issue when it snowed up to great depths or roads became wet and impassable due to heavy rains. Locals recalled my great talents with knitting garments. Pioneers found that this was a European crafting tradition which found a new place on the Canadian prairies. During the war, I helped with the Red Cross knitting socks for the soldiers fighting overseas. I passed away November 23, 1951. So this is Louise Kunkel here, and I'm reading about Louise Kunkel. So please allow me to introduce myself this evening. My name is Louise Bernadine Gabert Kunkel, and I lived uh, here from, uh, lived in, uh, from September 1880 to May 1980. I just about made it to my 100th birthday. My husband, uh, Louise's husband was Angel Nicholas Kunkel, who lived from, eight, uh, from 1875 to 1950. They were married way back in 1904. The Gabert history which is uh, Louise's uh, maiden name, is told elsewhere in the Pioneer Stories, but this is the story of Mr. Kunkel. Andrew's father was Michael Cus uh, Kunkel, who was born way back in 1853 in Ontario. Mike, uh, uh, and his wife was Alma Laporte, who, who uh, was born in Canada to French parents. They were married way back uh, in the old days and uh, lived in Ontario. They had two sons, Andrew and uh, Nicholas, and six daughters. Michael and his uh, family moved from uh, Ontario to Manitoba in about 1880 and lived there for several years. They then uh, moved down to North Dakota and uh, lived out uh, there for a period of time but they ran into uh, problems with the weather. Uh, there was constant uh, hailstorms late in the uh, summer and pounded the crops into the ground. They returned to Ontario within a few years and Manitoba and then uh, decided to come out to the Crook District south of Pincher Creek. Here they farmed. Uh, um, uh, Michael also operated a small threshing outfit throughout the area. He was also known as a great fisherman and often would go out with his horse and a bucket, of, uh, uh, which he always managed to half fill 
with, uh, with fish. He was a very successful fisherman. He did not uh, use any fancy uh, fishing outfits like they do now, but just an old block and sinker, and that uh, was able to get the fish out of the creeks and rivers and local lakes. He was also a hunter in the fall. Another aspect which proved to be interesting, and this is where the, uh, the family history takes an interesting uh, turning point. The Gaberts were very staunch Lutherans, but the Kunkels were Catholic. Outside of Fincher Creek, some 17 miles southeast of, of here, there was a church built. The people from Nebraska, uh, uh, some of them were Catholic, as were the, uh, the Kunkels. The Kunkels helped uh, build the church and clear the land and also bring in the, the logs from Wood Mountain to the west of us. Now that church became St. Henry's Church, which uh, was started in 1907. But the Trinity Lutheran Church was here first. They were also known as to be hard workers, and uh, Michael's wife, Anna, uh, was known for her cooking and baking. The bachelors of the community would often come uh, by for homemade bread, and uh, uh, it went, uh, went, went like hotcakes, according to the history. The bread or the hotcakes? Both. Okay. Uh, from Pinter Creek, Michael and Anna Kunko retired to Yakima in Washington State, where they re uh, eventually passed away. Um, uh, they had nine children in, uh, who were uh, raised in this Pinter uh, Creek area. One of the, some of them we remember, and one of them was their son, Joseph, who uh, was born in 1907 and lived for 103 years. He passed away in 1910. Joe, uh, Joe's lifelong philosophy was simple. Life is short, eat dessert first. And I heard him tell me that up at Crestview Lodge several times. So, so that was uh, Joseph Kunkelbill, which was Louise's uh, son. My name is Henry Schultz. This is my wife, Johanna. Amelike Steinke Schultz. I was one of three sons born to August Schultz. I was born in 1899 in the settlement of Deseborough, De which is in Gray County, Ontario. My brothers Albert and William were younger than I. Albert was born in the mid-1890s, William in 1899. My father August was born in July 1855 in Prussia, immigrating to Canada as an adult. The Schultz family headed west to Pincher Creek, where they established a homestead in the Sears School District, just south of where we're standing. This was eight miles south of town. We arrived here in 1906 when I was 17. I helped out full-time on the homestead. We raised both cattle, crops, and made many improvements to the property. In 1918, I married Johanna Steinke, a daughter of Emil and Ida Steinke. And she was born on 1893 and passed away in June of 1978. Our family included three sons, Carl, Lewis, and Albert. Uh, I was active in the community, particularly with Trinity Lutheran. We enjoyed the services here in the old log structure. I was the last surviving member of the Pincher Creek Cooperative Association that dated back to 1923. With ranchers and farmers working together to market their cattle and crops, the co-op achieved considerable success over the years. Company headquarters was centrally located in town, 
and included a seed cleaning plant, locker storage, a creamery, and hardware and grocery stores. I live to the age of 95 years. My name is Emil Wilhelm Stenke. I was born on March 24, 1863 at Thorne Centre, Quebec, to parents of Polish ancestry. I came west to Pincher Creek in 1889, 11 years after this settlement was established as a horse ranch by the Northwest Mounted Police. This really was the Western Canadian frontier. My wife, the former Ida Whitkoff, who was born July 2, 1867, in Sellenberg, Germany, came to Canada in 1879. She came west to Pincher Creek in 1888, beating me here by a year. Ida and I were married in 1890 in McLeod, then part of the Northwest Territories. Ida's family farmed on a homestead three miles south of Pincher Creek. I obtained a patent for my homestead south of Pincher Creek, effective November 24, 1900, and became an early farming pioneer. Early improvements included a herd of 48 cattle, seven horses and five pigs. Twenty acres of land was plowed the same year. Property additions included an 18 by 20 foot house valued at $200, a stable having a value of $75, an assortment of other outbuildings and two miles of fencing. Times were often tough and the work was hard but we made a success of our quarter section. Our Steinke family was closely associated with the history of the Lutheran Church south of town. I was a founding member of the Crook School Division, School District Number 520, which dated back to 1899. We had three daughters and one son, Hilda, Louise, Johann, Amelia, Minnie, Florence, and Albert Daniel. That doesn't add up to three. <laughs> you guys caught that, eh? <laughs> they had 12 children. Ida married Henry Richard and had three children. Ernie married Nora Binney. Louise, who married Fred Heiss, later lived in Victoria, B.C. They had four sons, two of whom met with fatal drowning accidents in the Yarrow District and are buried in the Lutheran Cemetery. The other two sons lived in BC, one in Victoria and one farther up the island. Dorothea married Eugene Sear. They had three children, Rodney, Marlene, and Clarence. Norman married Shirley Haskins. They had two daughters. Anna married to Jim Berger of Fort McLeod. They have three sons. I'm going somewhere with this. <laughs> Helen married Lawrence Nelson, and they have three boys and three girls. Carl married Alice Bensler, and they have two boys and reside in Lethbridge, Alberta. Martha married Grant Glines, and they have one son and four daughters. This is the interesting part. I married my wife, and her mother is a Glines and Grant is her brother. I thought that was neat. 
I came across that when I was looking through, through this stuff. Adeline married Steve Sorge, and they have two daughters and one son. Edna married John Drevnak, and they have one daughter. One son, Daniel, passed away in 1930 and is also buried in the Lutheran Cemetery. He was 12 years old. Hilda Louise, the oldest Stanky daughter, relates that when her mother, Mrs. Stanky, formerly Ida Whitcoff, came to Canada from Germany, the voyage on a sailing vessel and three weeks were required to make the trip. She got her first taste of tomatoes on the boat and also her first black tea and did not relish either of them. I died on Thursday, August 8, 1940 at St. Vincent's Hospital. My widow Ida died on April 20, 1950, also in Pincher Creek, and both of us are buried here. The Dan came with the flashlights, so this is fantastic. So thank you. Yes, light and sound. I'm Charles Conrad Schooning, and I was born in Germany in 1854. I came to Canada with a shipload of immigrants, and it was an eight-week journey to come overseas, and we ended up uh, landing near Ottawa. Uh, uh, my mother and uh, father eventually landed in, in Ladysmith, uh, where they settled. I was eight years old at the time. My uh, wife, Johanna, the former Johanna Wetkoff, was born in Germany in 1862 and immigrated to Canada in 1879 when she was 17. Her family also settled in uh, Lady uh, Smith, Quebec. While in Lady Smith, I learned the, the blacksmith trade. A few years later, I came west to Poplar Point, Manitoba, and uh, stayed with the Newmans, who we read about earlier. While there, I married Caroline Schlack, uh, uh, and we had one daughter, and unfortunately, both our daughter and my wife passed away. Otto Newman and I left uh, Poplar Point, Manitoba uh, in the fall of 1882 and wintered 60 miles north of Spokane uh, until April 1883. With two saddle horses and a pack uh, horse, we traveled uh, around the big bend of the Columbia River to Ainsworth and back to Walla Walla, Washington. There we uh, bought some more horses, 13 altogether, and struck uh, uh, for the trail to Alberta, or as it was known back then, the Canadian Northwest Territories. This was back in uh, uh, the later part of August 1883 when we reached Waterton Lakes via the South Kootenai Pass. The route was a well-defined trail. Many people used it. We were hungry and weary, uh, for we had very little to eat uh, for the past the previous four days and climbing through the Rockies at that. We pitched a camp a short distance from Kootenai Brown's place and I went to the house to try to uh, get some flour and tobacco. So Kootenay Brown's place at that point was up on Pass Creek. It was a homestead, and it was one of four different places that he lived out at, at the park. Mrs. Kootenay Brown uh, was at home, and they said they were uh, just about clean out of everything, but that Kootenay Brown had gone to Fort McLeod to get some supplies uh, for the winter. So she scraped together some flour and some grizzly bear meat, and I took the supplies back and struck out for the camp. We uh, baked and fried and were quite happy with our meal. We thought we had struck a, a picnic and uh, goodbye to starvation. 
Uh, Mr. Uh, Mrs. Brown also gave us some uh, buckshot so we could uh, get some ducks, uh, and uh, that lasted until uh, we got to Fort McLeod. Uh, on the way to Fort McLeod, I saw something I had never seen before. This is uh, uh, the bull teams, and uh, these were quite impressive uh, to see. We found uh, Fort McLeod to be quite a wild place with freight uh, wagons crossing uh, from, uh, up from Fort Benton, Montana. Uh, the outfits were made uh, up of oxen, mules, and horse-pulling uh, two or three uh, uh, wagons. Fort McLeod was the headquarters of the Northwest Monarch Police who patrolled the country for miles around. There were bootleggers and whiskey runners keeping them busy. Otto Newman and I decided to come to Pincher Creek and we landed here in September 1883. We settled on land about five miles south until it was surveyed and we could make a claim on it. We set up two bachelor cabins and uh, uh, built a little shack there where we lived for the first winter. We got a, uh, could not get a stove, so we built uh, one out of clay and that's where we did our cooking, baking and heated our little uh, abode there. Uh, uh, one side was used for baking, the other side for cooking and heating, and we did not have to polish it to keep it clean. The floor of the shack uh, was made out of poles which we flattened with an axe, and it received no scrubbing and had no linoleum on it. We also had some hay for the uh, saddle horses in the winter, and so we had uh, borrowed from a uh, neighbor, Mr. B Bell, who lived about three miles away. The grass was good, and that was uh, help to the horses. In the latter part of September, we had a fall of snow, which lasted for uh, uh, several weeks. Uh, we imagined that it would start to blow in the winter, and we were thinking about the big drifts that we'd have to uh, see in the morning. I got up at night and looked out our little window, which had about an uh, uh, inch of ice on it. But lo and behold, the glass was clear. The next morning, we opened the door, and all the snow was slush, and it was, the water was running anywhere. We had seen a and nice summer weather after that. In the first part of March 1884, I went back to Poplar Point to get some of my household effects that I left behind, and then returned back to Pincher Creek, left uh, Pincher Creek a couple of years later to go to Ladysmith, where I married Johanna Wetkoff. We went on our honeymoon, arriving in Medicine Hat, which was then the end of the steel. Gus Newman, uh, uh, met us with a four-team horse uh, team, and we traveled 30 miles uh, over the prairies, no roads, just going over the grass. The first thing that Johanna learned was not to look out down at the water when we were crossing the rivers, because the water is moving quite fast, and it could be quite unnerving. We set up our house, uh, which is the first house we had was a log uh, cabin, and logs were hewed uh, on uh, on two sides, and uh, that worked out fine. We worked very hard uh, at our ranch and bought more land and cattle. We raised five uh, uh, boys on the ranch, Fred, Otto, Dick, Ernest, and Albert. They all, uh, we all enjoyed the ranch life. We were uh, active in the Lutheran Church, and Johanna, my wife, was the first one to write the Lutheran Church office to have a minister come serve here. Church initially, uh, services were initially held in the uh, uh, Crook School Building. In, in about 1917, we 
and handed our homestead over to our youngest son, Albert, and a new house was built for us on the uh, east quarter, corner of the land across the uh, road from Otto and Ethel. And the uh, homestead was purchased in 1956 by my grand, our granddaughter, Audrey, and her husband, Cecil Beer. Charles Shooting passed away in 1938 and Johanna uh, uh, on 19, in 1945. So that's the shooting history here. Good evening. My name is John Hahn, and with my wife Hilda Louise Steinke Hahn, we represent a couple of pioneer families from the Robert Carey District of Pincher Creek. My father, Adam Hahn, was born in Germany in 1860. The family immigrated to Canada in 1871 when he was 11 years old. My mother, Elizabeth, was born in Ontario four years after... Never mind, that doesn't make any sense. Her ancestry, too, was German. Uh, my father and mother came to the Pincher Creek area from Aiton, Ontario in 1899 after my sister Margaret was born back east in 1898. We came by rail car with our settlers' effects as far west as Pincher City where we disembarked. Our last leg of the rail journey was on the recently completed Crow's Nest branch. The John Hamer family uh, traveled with us as uh, father and brother to Mrs. Hamer. I think that's the proper way to say it. When we arrived, we stayed at the farm of Charles Schoening, located south of Pincher, who had been here a number of years. They made us very welcome. Father filed his homestead on the northeast quarter section, section 18, township 5, range 29, west of the 4th. Logs were hauled in from the mountains, and a house was built. Uh, many of the area families came from Ontario, where there was an abundance of trees, so the men were adept and skilled with an axe, the adze, and the cross-cut saw. One night during the building of the house, a forefather had the rafters securely fastened. There was a terrific wind from the west. Imagine that. We were already sleeping upstairs, and the wind raised the roof part way and one way. Of one of the feather ticks was swept away from our bed and wedged between the roof and the house. Between puffs of wind, we were able to pull out the feather tick and fasten down the roof more securely. Take a trip and never leave the farm. Our family consisted of four children. I, John, was the only son, born in October 1883. I married Hilda Steinke in May 1912. We took farming on the Peter Grind Place, a half section two miles south and east of the home place. We have a family of 11 children, and thanks to Farley, we're going to name all of them. Three sons, Ernie of Pincher Creek, Norman of Beaver Mines, and Carl of Lethbridge. Eight daughters, Mrs. Henry Richards and Mrs. Fred Hels, who apparently don't have their own names. Uh, Dorothea Sear, Mrs. Lawrence Nelson, also has the same affliction. Uh, Mrs. Adeline Sorge, and Mrs. Edna Drevnik of Pincher Creek. Mrs. George McIntosh of Fort McLeod, and Mrs. Grant Glines of Forest Lawn, which became a part of Calgary. Unfortunately, that's kind of a, a thing that goes along in family histories of the time. Uh, uh, females tend to lose their first name and their identity a little bit. It's, it's a little frustrating when you're a historian. Probably even more frustrating when you're a woman. Uh, one son passed away in 1930. Ernie and his wife Nora were very active in the Pincher Creek and District Historical Society. Can we get an amen here? Donating artifacts and conducting tours. Ernie was also an active hunter of big game and was a member of the Robert Kerr Snowplow Club. 
I, John Hahn, passed away in June 4th, uh, 1858, age 75. My oldest sister Mary was born in Ontario in 1882 and married James Brinkman in January 1907. They resided in Fort Saskatchewan for a time and then to Pincher Creek. Mr. Brinkman drove the freight and chance transfer between Pincher Station and and, and town for Jack Kelly for a few years. And in 1918, they moved to Vernon and later to Victoria, B.C. My sister Mary passed away in January 1945, and her husband, James Brinkman, died in March 1954. They had no children. My sister Caroline, born in Ontario in 1894, married Otto Newman in October 1914, and we've met him. In 1929, they sold their farm to Norman and Irwin Syme and moved to Victoria. They had two children, Kathleen and Hugh. Kathleen is now Mrs. Hugh Gonison, has three children, Gary in Edmonton, Jean in Quebec, and William. Hugh married Alice Foster. They have two boys and reside in Victoria. Otto Newman passed away in Victoria in August 1966 at the age of 93, and my sister Caroline passed away in Victoria in 1967. I guess Victoria at that point was like Florida. Uh, my sister Maggie Hahn attended grade one in the Robert Kerr School in 1905. I married Carl Bastian in 1917. Like many pioneer women, women, my mother Elizabeth Hahn took pride in her sewing abilities. One of her prized possessions was a hand-carved maple. Let's guess what it is while we turn the page. Maple wood foot darning egg. Let's try that again. Maple wood foot foot shaped darning egg. Does that make sense? Okay. I guess those who darn do. Those who do are darned. The piece was placed inside a sock which required darning and making it easier to complete the task by stretching the wormhole. There, that explains it all. My mother used this wooden egg as early as 1882 and brought it to the Robert Kerr District in 1899. Another prized possession which the Hahn family, family brought with them was a Waterbury clock that dated to the early 1880s and an enamelware serving platter that was used to serve the family meals. Mother was not in good health, so in early 1919 they left the farm and took up residence in Vernon. You thought I was going to say Victoria, didn't you? Mother passed away in Vernon in 1922 at 58 years of age. Father Adam Hahn passed away in Vernon in February of 1932 at the age of 71. And the Hahn family uh, was affiliated with the Lutheran Church. And that is the Hahn family. Uh, I would ask everybody to, we would like to remember the pioneers that are buried here, so I'd ask for a moment of silence in memory of the pioneers, please. So thank you, and I'd also like to thank our readers for this evening, for Colleen and Francis Sear for the readings, for Dan Crawford, or Isabel Charette, for Gord Tolton uh, for the readings, and uh, I would like to especially thank the Trinity Lutheran Church for allowing us to do this event, and I would like to apologize to the church because I was supposed to notify them a little bit earlier than I did, and we appreciate their patience in dealing with Farley's bouncing 
dropping the ball once in a while and all that. So thank you to the Trinity Lutheran Church. So Thank you for listening to Tales of Kootenai Brown Pioneer Village. This episode was researched and written by historians Farley Wood and Gord Tolton. This podcast is recorded and engineered by Gord Tolton. Episodes can be found at Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Podbean, or any other podcatcher. Visit our website at www.kootenaybrown.ca. Kootenai is spelled K-O-O-T-E-N-A-I. Also, visit and join our pages on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter for more information on our museum or even better, visit us at 1037 Beverly McLaughlin Drive in beautiful Pincher Creek, Alberta.